Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, it's uh, good to see everybody, and uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. As I look across the room, I, um, I, I, uh, I wonder about that New Year's resolution about attending church more often. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know that the weather is a little bit precarious, but it's waiting until this afternoon, so I'm glad that you are here today, and you have faith to be here this morning. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. Uh, they're on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and fill it out. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that if you could give us your information and record your attendance. Just put your name and address telephone number, email address, especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, and check the appropriate box on there. We would certainly appreciate that. Just a few uh, announcements to bring to your attention today. Uh, first of all, next week we will be having our Fellowship Cafe on uh, next Sunday morning, so hope you'll be here for that. Our nominating team will be meeting on Wednesday, and on Wednesday we will be resuming our Wednesday activities. We've had a couple of weeks off with uh, Christmas and New Year's. But this Wednesday we'll be resuming our activities with uh, dinner at 545 and our Bible study and youth and children's activities at 630. Uh, however, I will make a, a little uh, uh, announcement, and that is that we don't know what the weather is going to be like uh, I uh, understand it may, we may have more weather coming later in the week, so we be prepared as to what we're doing on Wednesday, uh, whether we'll be canceling services or not. Right now, we're planning on not canceling services, so uh, make your plans to be here, but if the weather turns bad or, or stays bad, then uh, we'll put the news out with our e-news and, uh, and on the television as well. So just keep, uh, keep your eyes out for that. One other thing I'd like to call to your attention, and that, that's something called Dawnings. Uh, this is a visioning retreat uh, that is being held on March the 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's a Thursday, Friday, and it'll go through lunchtime on Saturday. It's going to be at Georgetown College, and uh, CBF, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, will pay for five rooms with two people per room uh, for us to go there. For, any, for all churches that want to participate in that, they will pay for five rooms. And so that's a great opportunity. This is free to all of us. So if you would like to participate in this, I'm really looking forward to this. And I, and I think it's going to be good uh, not only for us individually but for us as a church uh, to be a part of this. So if you would like to attend the Dawnings Retreat on March the uh, 6th through 8th, please let me know and we'll take the first ten people to, to sign up there. Uh, it, it does have to be five girls and five guys, and you know. So anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean. We have we have five rooms. You get the picture. <laughs> anyway, hope you'll sign up and be a part of that. I think it's going to be a great time, uh, and it's great to be here with you today. So let me invite you to stand and uh, share the love of Christ with one another by greeting each other in the name of the Lord. Does that mean I couldn't room with Nora? Yeah, you could. Oh, yeah, you could. But, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. You could, but I could. You could. Yeah, I could. I got you. I got you. Oh, baby. How's Andy doing? Yesterday? Thank you. 
join me in our responsive reading for today, which is titled, A New Year with the Lord. This is actually a poem written by M.S. Lowndes. A new year is about to unfold with new opportunities to explore. Doors will open for new experiences, new adventures with the Lord. For God will make a way for us as we put our trust in him, and he will guide our every step by his presence we have within. What God has placed within our hearts, we find that we may to do. If we look for the opportunities, we'll see the door to go through. We mustn't let anything hold us back, but rise up and take our place and be all that God wants us to be with a fresh touch of his grace. Amen.
Our scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of glory. Wyatt. Woo! Molly! Check it out. Here's the Wally. <laughs> I like him. I'm so sad. Joe, guess why I'm sad? Because Christmas is over. I was back there putting down the Christmas tree in our room, and it's just so sad. Happy New Year, you guys. Happy New Year, Miss Mary. Thank you. These folks aren't even going to help me this morning. <laughs> yes, I'll, yes, Joe, I love that hat. Well, you know what? There is no need to be sad because we have a brand new year. And what year is it, Joe? We talked about this back in Sunday school with Miss Lana. 2014. Yes, it is 2014. You know what? See, John gave me a minute because my breath must stink and now I can't talk. Uh, Joe also shared that uh, we were talking, or Miss Lana was talking about what people are allergic to. And Becky, we didn't know your husband's allergic to American cockroaches. Oh, oh, Meg, I'm sorry, Meg. Okay. Oh, your dad's allergic to cats. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk about hope. I bet this Christmas season I heard somebody say hope. Did you hope for anything for Christmas? Oh, you did? What'd you hope for, Molly? I hope, I hope I get an American Girl doll. Oh, you did? Did you get Sadie? Oh, isn't Sadie the new one for the... You hope for a guitar and you got one? Well, there you go, praise band. Where's the praise band? Joe's got a guitar. Okay, who wants to read this? Miss Sarah? Hope is... That's what most of us do, isn't it? I hope I lose some weight this year. I hope my hair looks good today. That kind of hope. But you know what? Since we're here, let's, why are you laughing at me? You are, aren't you? <laughs> I hope we have a good year with Children's Church. I hope we have lots of new kids to come to Children's Church. You guys already have a great start on the word hope. Because in our church, this is really what hope means. Molly, you want to help me out? Okay. In our church, and I bet Dr. Tim may talk about this, what is hope? Read it real loud. A person who does not know Christ is lost without hope in the world, right? 
who can bring us that hope in the world to let us know that everything's going to be all right as long as we have our thoughts to him. Who is it? Jesus, right. And that's why you all come to Children's Church. And we hope and pray, pray there's other parents out there that will make sure their kids get to Children's Church. This is the last thing we're going to do for Christmas, but you all take one of these. We just can't let go of Christmas here. Molly and Miss Sarah, Meg and Joe, you want one? Okay. Meg, are you reading yet? Okay. Can you read the very first ornament there? Jesus, hang your hope on him. And then, um, Wyatt, are you reading yet? No, not yet. Molly, you want to help us out with that big one? This is a verse that I want you guys to stay with me. Excellent reading. Let's say it together. May the God of hope. Come on, guys. All right, you all better help me. All right. May, May the God, God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. And then you can stick your candy cane in, just like I did here, okay? And we are ready to go back to Children's Church. We'll make sure you get one before you leave. All right, very quietly, let's head back to Children's Church. to do the offertory prayer uh, so I was here to do but the thing I look at is I see a lot of good people that are here all the time and this church means a great deal to all of us and so it is our part to take place and make it continue to do the job it's doing. Would you bow your head, please? Our Father, we are so pleased to have this place. We are most generous 
with our time. We are gracious for the people that use it. And we also ask that you be with each and every one of us and guide us in all the things we do. For through you we do pray. Amen. everyone is having a wonderful new year so far. Is your new year okay so far? I mean, we're, what, five days into it, six days into it? So how many days? Five, five days into it. I hope your, your new year is going well. Uh, some of you may remember the, the Calvin and Hobbes comic strip. You, any Calvin and Hobbes uh, fans here? Uh, some of you may remember the comic strip uh, in which Calvin says, I'm getting disillusioned with these New Year's. He said, they don't seem very new at all. Each New Year is just like the old year. Another year has gone by and everything's still the same. There's still pollution and war and stupidity and greed. Things haven't changed at all. I say, what kind of future is this? I thought things were supposed to improve. I thought the future was supposed to be better. And so Hobbes replies with his usual keen insight, the problem with the future is that it keeps turning into the present. Well, here we are at the beginning of another new year. And this time of the year is traditionally a time for us to reflect. We look back over the year that we have just completed and we assess our successes and our failures. And we look forward to a new beginning, hoping that things will be different and better this year. But as Hobbes reminds us, the future just keeps turning into the present. And that may be why some of us come to church. Maybe we come hoping that the the Holy Spirit will fall fresh on us and the the future will will be full of exciting new possibilities and change and new growth. We're tired of having the same old thing. I heard about two men talking about one of their, their colleagues, and one of them said, Do you know that, did you know that he has 30 years of experience in his field? And his friend replied to that and said, Well, actually, he doesn't have 30 years experience. He only has one year experience 30 times. <laughs> it seems that for this man, the future just kept turning into the present. But folks, I don't think that's what God has in mind for us. Listen to our lesson from Ephesians for this morning. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy 
and blameless in his sight. In love, he destined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, has, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. Did you hear that? What great good news that is to each of us today. We are chosen by God. We are God's elect. And God doesn't want our lives to be humdrum, meaningless, depressing routines. God wants something better for us. And that's why there are some things that we need to recognize as we begin this new year together. First of all, we need to see that God loves doing a new thing. Listen to that, folks. God loves doing a new thing. Now, how do we know that God loves doing a new thing? Well, it's because God has told us so. In Revelation 21, verse 5, God says, See, I am making everything new. And basically, he was saying the same thing through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Forget the former things. Forget, do not dwell on the things of the past. See, I am doing a new thing. And you know, that's kind of exciting, isn't it? It's exciting that God is doing a new thing. God loves doing a new thing. The only bad thing about that is that even while God loves doing a new thing, there are so many of us who are afraid of change. We're afraid of change, and so we resist the new and the better thing that God has in store for us. Someone has said that the, uh, that the word status quo is the Latin phrase that means the mess we're in. And, and, and so many of us prefer to hang on to the status quo. But the thing is, the thing about it is that it's our mess, isn't it? And we feel comfortable in it. Let me give an example of the negative consequences of hanging on to the status quo. Something happened back in 1906 that dramatically changed the game of football. You see, before that year, football had been a low-scoring game of running and kicking. Guys in their leather helmets plodded down the field, methodically trying to overpower the other team. Did you ever hear the expression, three yards in a cloud of dust? You ever heard that? That was the strategy of all the football teams before 1906. But then something happened. You see, the Ford Pass was legalized in 1906, which made it possible to gain... 40 yards with one throw. However, during that first season, most of the teams didn't employ the forward pass in their game plan. They were too comfortable with the status quo. They, they, they just stayed with the status quo, the, the tried and true method of three yards in a cloud of dust. But there was one team. The coaches of St. Louis University decided to switch to an offense that used the, the forward pass. And that season, they outscored their opponents, get this, folks, 402 to 11. The moral of that story is that sometimes change is for the better. My friends, God loves change. God loves doing a new thing, especially God loves changing lives. That's the very reason that Jesus came to this world, so that our lives could be made better. And basically, that's what New Year's resolutions are all about, isn't it? But let me ask you something. Uh, okay, it's time, folks. You know, they say that confession is good for the soul. Would you say that New Year's resolutions are hard to keep? Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. How many of you have ever determined to drop an old habit and start a new habit, a new good habit? You ever done that? How many of you have ever seen a resolution that was shattered on the same day that you made it? It's hard. I know. 
Last year, I resolved to lose 10 pounds during 2013, and I'm very proud to say to you that I only gained two. But here's the thing. What we need is not inspiration, but we need a transformation. What we need is not a resolution, but a revolution. What we need is a, is a change in our lives that comes from God. We need for God to do a new thing in us. And that can happen because, folks, God loves doing a new thing. We just need to quit resisting. Second thing that we need to realize is that God loves giving people a new name. And that's really a biblical way of of looking at life because with God, a new name symbolizes new possibilities. Look at at Jesus' disciple, Simon. We all know Simon. He was one of... One of Jesus' disciples, he was always impetuous. He was always sticking his foot in his mouth and acting before he thought. He always engaged his tongue before he engaged his brain. And he was the one who forgot Jesus' teachings about turning the other cheek. And he ended up slashing man's ear off with a sword when they came to arrest Jesus. He's the one who ran away. When things got dangerous, he was the one who denied his master with a curse. And what did Jesus do? Jesus dared to call him Peter, which means the rock. Now, Jesus knew his real name. Everybody knew that Simon was a man who was controlled by his emotions. He was all over the place. His temper flared. There were times when he was uncertain of himself. There were times when he he couldn't make up his mind. His emotional reactions were completely unpredictable. And so a rock was the last thing that most people associated with, with Simon. But look at what Jesus did. Jesus saw through Simon's weaknesses and told him that his weakness could become his strength through the transforming power of God. And so Jesus determined that he would use Simon's fiery emotions to accomplish his purpose in the world. And so he gave Simon a new name, Peter, the rock. And folks, that's what we we need as well. We need someone who can look beyond our faults and weaknesses and, and not only love us, but also to expect the very best from us. Someone who will believe in us and who will give us another chance and will call us by a a new name. And I know that some of us are probably our own worst critics. Uh, Most of us probably are, if truth be told. We are more than aware of our own weaknesses than we are of our strengths. And as a result, a lot of times we feel inadequate. Sometimes we feel guilty. We feel that a lot of what we do just turns out wrong. And we have more than our shares of failures. But folks, let me tell you something. Jesus wants to give you a new name. Maybe maybe there's some kind of sin that has dealt your life a deadly blow. Maybe your life and others have been affected by your failure and you live with shame. And because of your past, people may expect you to fail. But listen to this, folks. Jesus wants to give you a new name and a new chance. You know, I'm amazed at how many people think that that God only sees the bad in them and, and that God is more aware of their failures than their goods They think that God is is just waiting to pounce on them and to condemn them for something that they've done wrong. But, But let me tell you something. God is much more concerned about the good in your life than the bad. God is more anxious to reward your goodness than to punish your badness. Many times while we're condemning ourselves, God's just trying to help us to realize that we're forgiven. John tells us that 
if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So you see, while, while we are calling ourselves failures, God is calling us forgiven. God is giving us a new name, but all the while, we keep insisting that our name is the same. Do you remember Miguel Cervantes' story, beautiful story of Don Quixote? you remember that story? A, a certain Spanish professor at Berry College named Kay Gardner made me read that for class. Um, but the story is that Cervantes was thrown into prison in Sevilla. And finding himself at the mercy of a band of cutthroats, he tried to divert their attention by telling them the story of Don Quixote, the man of La Mancha. In this story, Don Quixote pictures himself as a chivalrous knight, and he goes forth to right all of the wrongs in the world. However, he's kind of living in a delusion. You know, it's not reality. His, uh, he's a man who lived in a world of impossible dreams. His armor is shabby. His, his horse is sagging. He, even, he, he imagines that windmills are giants, and he attacks them with his, with his lance. And he rides for his fair lady, whom he calls Dulcinea, Dulcinea, which means sweetness. But Dulcinea is far from a fair lady. In fact, she's a prostitute. Her real name is Aldonza. And she resents Quixote's intrusion into her life, and she screams at him, insisting that she is no kind of lady. But Don Quixote persists, and still thou art my lady, he says. He tells her that, she see, that he sees heaven Whenever he sees her, to which she replies that all she sees when she sees him is a, a dream covered with rusty tin. Don Quixote's family try to for, uh, make him face reality, and they want him to see the world as it really is. And they try to shock him into reality. And as they begin to succeed, his health and his spirit begin to break. And he is at the point of giving up his impossible dream. But just then, Aldonza comes into his room. And she looks at him with grateful eyes and said, You looked at me and called me by another name. Dulcinea. Sweetness. And now Aldonza has become a lady. Her life was renewed by someone who dared to believe in her and to call her by a new name. And folks, that is precisely what God wants to do with each of us. You see, God sees what we are and yet still insists on calling us by another name. You know, we often talk about believing in God, but what we forget is that God also believes in us. Like Aldonza, we yell and we scream and we flaunt our wickedness before God, refusing to believe in God's amazing grace. But all at once we begin to wonder if maybe it could all be true. Could God really love me? Even when God sees what I really am? Could it be that my life could be different? Is it, the, is it possible that the Bible is for real when it says that God demonstrates God's love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? And what about that verse that says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but instead I call you my friends. Could it be that our names have been changed? Now, here we are. We've been calling ourselves failures all this time when God is, while God is calling us friends. We've been calling ourselves losers while God is calling us my beloved. We are calling ourselves sinners while God is calling us saints. 
Could it be that God is giving us a new chance, a, a new lease on life, a new name, no matter how many times or how miserably we have failed? My friends, God loves doing a new thing. And God loves giving us a new name. And then one more thing that we need to realize today is that God's new name for us means a new beginning. And I know it, it sounds unbelievable, but it's true. It seemed unbelievable when God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Abram and Sarai were unable to have children, but God called Abraham, changed his name, Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of multitudes. And then God made him a father of nations. He changed Sarai's name to Sarah, which means princess. What a marvelous transformation. How full of, God's, of, of love God's heart is. How powerful is God's spirit to take our failures and to give us a future. How marvelous of God to take people who are moving headlong down the road to nowhere and use them to fulfill God's plan for the world. Now, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, that person will never change. You ever heard that? Oh, that person will never change. They're hopeless. But folks, I want to tell you something. God knows better than that. God never underestimates the power of God's Spirit in our lives. And I hope you won't do that. Hope you'll never underestimate the power of God in your life or anybody else's life for that matter because God is always changing people's lives. In the book of Genesis, it describes the life of Jacob. From his birth, he was named Jacob, which meant schemer. And he lived up to his or lived down to his name. He cheated his brother out of his birthright. He deceived his father. He cheated his father-in-law out of his property. And when the angel of the Lord came to him, the angel said, You'll no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, which which means the prince of God. Can you imagine that? And folks, not only was Jacob's name changed, but his, his heart was changed as well. And he was never the same again. Think about the change that God has made in people's lives. Those people that the world called tax collectors, Jesus called disciples. Those people who were called sinners, Jesus called companions. Those who were scorned as immoral, Jesus called forgiven. Those who were common fishermen, Jesus called fishers of men. So you see, God is always changing people. And so here's the question I have for you this morning. What names have you been called? Or what names have you been calling yourself? Well, here's the good news. Jesus Christ offers you a new lease on life, a new chance in this new year. God wants something better for us in this new year than we've experienced in the past. And so think about the names that God has called us in our lesson from Ephesians today. Think about it. He called us blessed, chosen, holy, blameless, adopted sons and daughters. My friends, are you still carrying around that old worn-out name? Failure? Loser? Sinner? Well, listen as God gives you a new name for this new year. And as God gives you that new name this new year, then go out and live up to that name. Blessed, chosen, holy, blameless, adopted sons 
and daughters of God. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 370. This is a day of new beginnings, and it is, my friends, it is a day of new beginnings. And I hope that God is doing something new in you. Don't be afraid of it. God loves doing a new things, and I will promise you that everything that God does new in your life is positive and good. So don't be afraid of it and don't resist it. Just go with the Spirit of God as God leads you into something new. It's a time of new beginnings, and I hope that God is doing something new in your life and giving you a new name and helping us to get over the things that we feel about ourselves, put the negativity behind us, and to move forward into a life with God's Spirit. Let us sing together this wonderful hymn, the first four verses. This is the day of new beginnings, number 370. Shine forth in the darkness and let the good news of God become flesh in you. May the love and peace and joy of Christ radiate from your life. Amen. 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 Amen.